Now, watching is not the will of Satan. Satan's will is that you don't watch. He loves a slumber. And remember, this church remained strong until they forgot the love for Christ. Philippians, he writes to them, he says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. I want that part that says, even weeping. This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through the book of Acts. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Now, here's Pastor Rick in the book of Acts chapter 20 with part three of his study called The Undaunted Shepherd. Verse 29 For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. The pastoral metaphors now expand. We move from the shepherd to the sheep to the flock to the wolves. And wolves in sheep's clothing at that. There is nothing more accurate and enduring in portraying the Christian experience. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, that's what we're saying. I'm just one of the sheep. Remove the shepherd and the wolves and the flock will not be all right. This is the case with cults. This is the case with the David Courish years ago, the Branch Davidians. He was a false teacher, a heretic, and he took out a lot of people with him. Uh, Matthew, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In less than 40 years, this beloved church will be overcome by their negligence of Christ. And so he'll say, you left your first love. Pergamos, another of the seven churches addressed in Revelation, their problem was Balaam's greed. Never mind what God says, there's money to be had through religion. That was Balaam. Thyatira, they had Jezebel's teaching. All you have to do is mention Jezebel's in church, and you know you got a problem. Big one. Sardis. Their problem was spiritual death. They had a name that they were alive, but they were dead. Though there were some in there that still believed. And then there's Laodicea, which had many problems, but one of the big ones was spiritual apathy. And Jesus said, because you're not hot or cold, but lukewarm. You've got this apathy. You think that ah, my, religious, my religious box is checked. There's nothing more I need to really do. Coming to these churches in the early days when the apostles were beginning to die off and already while they were there ministering was Gnostic heresy, which paved the way for the Arian heresy, which is a form of Jehovah Witness doctrine, denying the lordship of the the deity of Christ. Lawlessness was creeping into the church, but legalism was too. Satan has a flavor for everyone. Jude said, you know, these guys are hard to pinpoint sometimes. He said, contend earnestly for the faith, Jude 3, which was once delivered to the saints. In other words, we don't need a new Bible. We've got one. It's once delivered. And it closed with the apostles. He says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. Creeping into the church means they're trying to fly beneath the radar. They're deceptive. They don't want you to know what they're up to because they know it's wrong. 
Second Corinthians, Paul writes to the church, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. This is why he's saying, take heed, pay attention, therefore, watch. You've heard of some people that have street savvy or they have the instincts for whatever, maybe battlefield instincts. Paul had that for spiritual things. He wasn't the only one. But Paul had those, he was savvy about hell. He knew what they were up to. He knew how those boys did business. And he did everything to do to put them out of business on an individual level, which is why he met house to house with people, which is very time consuming and takes a lot of work. Savage wolves. They don't always look savage. That's what Jude is telling us. That's what Paul is saying. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into an angel of light. And no surprise. You have to be mature about these things and not gullible. Gullibility is not an asset. Here's the horror of it all. Flocks will consent to the wolves coming in and spiritually devouring them. We see it to this day. No false teacher can succeed without false students because he gets fired by just they're leaving with, you know, I'm not going back to that church because they don't preach the word of God. But we go, we get a lot of in, in today's churches. Well, they preach the word of God, but I'm not going back anyway because, and I don't want to go into that. Jeremiah chapter 14, I'm trying to figure out what I should put next. I will stay with Jeremiah 14, 14. And Yahweh said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I've not sent them commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesied to you false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the seat of their heart. And Micah adds when he presents the same thing, and my people love to have it so. They love this kind of stuff. It's sarcasm. It's satire. It's, a, it's an attempt to try to reach them on some level. Again, you teens, sometimes you may hear me being sarcastic, and it's satire, trying to shake you into a reality that you can't escape, but you can do well. Or not. Your choice. Should it be any other way? If we forced you, you know, you'd be complaining about that. Jesus said we played a dirge for you and you, you know, I just lost the scripture verse, had it in my head. But essentially he says we played a melody and you wouldn't dance. We played a dirge. You wouldn't mourn. You can't win. That's what Christ was saying to the Pharisees. You can't win with you guys. You're going to find something wrong with everything. But you won't look at the truth. Matthew seven twenty. Therefore, you will know them by their fruits. They're contradicting scripture. If they're immoral, if they're out for themselves and the list goes on, you know they're not men of the Holy Spirit given to the church. Second Peter is a little lengthy, but worth reading. But there were also false prophets among the people. Dathan, as I mentioned before, and he wasn't alone. More than 250 people with him in a rebellion. He said, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Well, that will be a judgment. It's not going to be, well, you know, your case is now going to an appellate court or whatever, or appeals. No, that's not going to happen. God's going to say, you know what? You are an enemy, and that's that. Judgment will be done. And Peter continues, and many will follow their destructive ways. Why? Why will many people follow these people? We'll come to that. Because of whom 
the way of the truth will be blasphemed. By covetedness, they will exploit you because they want something from you, not to give you something to take from you. With deceptive words, for a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Peter says, there's nothing new about this. you got to like Peter because he, too, was very savvy, right to the point. Why do so many follow false prophets in spite of clear teachings in the Scripture against it? Love of lower standards, that's why. They don't want the conviction. They don't want to hear it. They want their ears tickled, and Paul warned of that when he wrote to Timothy. There's an English word that I love, and I don't use nearly enough, visceral. I'm going to read the definition right from the dictionary without having a dictionary with me. That's a pretty neat trick. Proceeding, this is the definition of visceral, proceeding from instinct rather than from reasoned thinking. In other words, I don't care to think this through. I like it. (laughs) Well, that is a recipe for spiritual death and present death. It happens all the time. I I go with what I feel, not what I know is to be right or wrong. Do I need to say anything else about that? Because this is practice. It is out of control in humanity. We're living in a time we're seeing. It's like there's a doofus-making machine somewhere. And they're just blowing them out. They're all over the place. I passed a few of them on the way in. They were going in the other direction, but I knew they were doofuses. I could tell by the way their headlights were. I'm adding to it, you know, what's the word? Visceral. (laughs) I'm added to it, you know, I have no reason to believe that their headlights, come on, it's crazy. It makes no sense. Yes, but it feels good. He says, we'll come in among you not sparing the flock. No care for others. Only themselves. Again, the Bible has much to teach through shepherd and flock and wolves and sheep, the parallels. Paul writes to the Romans, a letter recently written at the time he's meeting with these pastors. He says, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Why are they simple? Because they want the lower life. They prefer the lower life, the flesh, carnality. They really are a little sick and tired of Jesus telling them, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. This is the way to heaven. This is the way to hell. They have tired of it. What right does he have to be God? Well, you can find that out at Judgment Day. You don't fix it. Verse 30, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Oh, Paul, you're so negative. I mean, this is a pastor at work, and they loved him. Not only did they love him, later in chapter 21, when he gets to Caesarea, they're going to be loving on him too. This is the, you know, you're not expected to turn on your pastors when they're doing their job. Churchgoers will slaughter the church. That's what he says, also from among you, coming out of the church. There will rise up men speaking perverse things. Well, why didn't somebody stop them? Because they liked it. Too many times the new pastor is the wolf in sheep's clothing. Many times throughout history, there's solid churches, and that pastor goes to heaven, another one comes in, not all the time, but many times, and takes that church right out of Scripture and into the trash can. Why? Because he thinks he can do it better. He can relate to this culture. We're not trying to relate to the culture. We're trying to preach to it. We're not asking them, "Uh what should we do? We're telling them straight out, this is what you should do. 
Get yourself a life jacket in Christ Jesus. I'm so narrow-minded. If I could make it more narrow, I would. Because straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. That broad way and many shall go in by it. Not me. And you, because I have a say-so. Not because I have power. I've, I have the ability to say yes. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Sheep rustlers. That's what they are. And they're alive today. And they go to churches. And they start their little groups. And then they, zap, 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 and they whisper, come over to my stuff. That's illegal. It's sinful. And it, they, you know, I don't want to preach on that part because I, I cover it a lot. So I've had two people say to me basic things, nice things. They were not bad or anything. Just, you know, they come across, they heard something that's very basic. And I say to myself, you know, I preach that a lot. Uh, how come you're not giving me a trophy? <laughs> I, I want a badge. And I understand. It's the dynamic. It's how it is. It's not bad at all. So it's more on me. The onus is more on me because as a pastor, I don't want to bore you with the same thing, so I try to introduce other things. But then by doing that, I forget to come back to some of the basics. So I'm working on that, and I have a GoFundMe page <laughs> if, if you'd like to help. Uh, I, I appreciate it, you know. And anyway, speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after themselves. Jeremiah 6.10, because Jeremiah had to deal with this all the time. What a ministry. He says, behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. There's the smoking gun. I said I'd come back to that, and there it is. I forgot all about it, actually, till right now. They have no delight in God's word. They only like sections. They cherry pick. I love you. Have you ever take your Bible and just say, man, I just love this. And you just want to touch it. Not that it's idle or anything like that. That'd be crazy. But you just understand that God has given this to us as opposed to the one that has no delight in it. They just want to be told they're going to heaven and never be held accountable. Verse 31 Therefore, again, he hits this watch. And remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn every one night and day with tears. And so they're probably saying, okay, Paul, we've heard it for three years. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. It's human nature, right? What I was talking about, if you repeat yourself too much, it's, oh, here he goes again. And then if I don't say it, it's like I never heard that before. <laughs> so it's that, you got to work through that. It's fair. Anyhow, therefore, watch. Now, watching is not the will of Satan. Satan's will is that you don't watch. He loves a slumber. And remember, this church remained strong until they forgot the love for Christ. Philippians, he writes to them, he says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. I want that part that says even weeping. I'm more prone, you know, some people were quick to bring out the first aid kit. Me, it's a hand grenade. This is my nature. It's like, well, look, can we blow it up? Can we, can we shoot and ask questions later? Like, you act like that's a problem. And it's just my nature. It's wrong. I'm not promoting this. Because that's so what I'm saying. So here, I, I would say, I, I've warned you for three years Pounding on the table. But Paul says, I was weeping. I want that. 
And if I don't have it, it's because you're not praying hard enough for me. You just shift the guilt. It works wonderfully. I want more of that. And I'm working all the time for it. Paul remembered how the enemies came behind him at Antioch and Galatia and at Corinth. When he left, they came behind him. Paul is wrong. Paul is this. Paul is that. And uh, he knows this. And so he's telling these pastors, you know I told you this. And I don't want you to ever forget it. That generation did not. They're children. They're the ones that are addressed in Revelation 3. He says that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone. Intolerance towards troublemaker is for the flock. Intolerance towards troublemakers is for the flock. But you have a situation here where a pastor will straighten somebody out and the people say, he did what? Out comes the grenade. It's the only way to fix it. Not at all. It's the wrong way. So, but it's just true. You know, you just, let's not be that guy. There's two sides to every story. And usually those in authority have the authority to set it up the way they have it. Anyway, night and day with tears. These tears indicate that his ministry was not one of cold facts alone. But it Pastoral passion was a part of it. Pain was a part of it. How many Christians understand pastoral ministry? If I had to give a percentage, I'd probably say two, and not being funny. I think the older ones begin to get it. I asked a pastor, I said to them, I'm going to say this to the congregation, but I want to make sure I'm not speaking for you. You tell me if you have learned things about pastoral ministry that you never would have learned unless you became a pastor. And the hearty response was, yeah, it's true. It's a fact. And yet some think they should, they read their Bibles, they're Christians, they should just know. That's not the way it is. And that's why Paul is laying out pastoral ministry to the flock. To not take control over their lives, but to guard the church that Christ bought with his blood. That's how serious he is about the local church. Verse 32, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So now he kicks back to basic Christianity, moving from a leadership message to just treating them as Christians, because that's what they are. He's going to commit them beyond his care, as their pastor, and he's committing them to God. Now, legalists, were, I'm going to read some paraphrasing from uh, my pastor, Chuck Smith. Legalists were going to tell them of things they ought to be doing for God rather than emphasizing all the things that God has done for them, putting people into a legal relationship with God rather than a loving relationship with him. I can't add to that. He quotes me, too, when he was... No, he didn't. (laughs) So here, Paul, he knew God's word as the word of God's grace. That's what he calls it. Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. Wherever you find a strong Christian, you're going to find a Bible-reading Christian. One that is submitted to the Scripture. I have never met a strong Christian that doesn't read the Bible. 
I said, boy, that guy's pretty solid. He just guesses that stuff. Yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Verse 33, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You know why he says that to this church, I think? This is my take on that. Because I don't think he had that problem with them. I think he's still stinging from the, the heartache Corinth gave him. Uh, you know, they're the ones that would say things like that to him. And so he points it out. Anyway, verse 34, yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. That's pretty much. He's no freeloader. He deserved a salary, but he waived it. Things have changed over the years. You just can't do it this way. In fact, Philippi, the church in Philippi, sent him money more than once to meet his needs. So in in that sense, you know, he, he certainly did receive payment. First Timothy 5, let the pastors who rule well be counted worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And so there you have Paul saying, you want those guys to be doing their job? Well, you're going to have the freedom from working out in the cornfields or wherever it is they're working. If they're moonlighting as pastors, it's going to be to your disadvantage. Messages will be incomplete. They will be repetitive. They will lack research and depth, and it will be your fault. That's what he was pretty much baked into that. He restrained covetedness by these sayings, that hidden desire of the heart. That's covetedness. Back in chapter 19, his aprons and handkerchiefs, you know, blessed people. That's from his workshop as a, uh, a worker with canvas, pretty much. Verse 25, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than receive. Well, we don't have those words in the gospel. They're preserved, probably part of the oral tradition. John told us, listen, I can't write down everything he didn't said. It just, you know, John 21, verse 25, so he just said didn't so much. So we have that preserved point. I try to give people a chance to, to live that towards me. Better to, better to give than receive. The humor is, of course, we know better. Verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. It's too easy to give up on prayer. You're tougher than that. There's more to your faith than giving up on prayer over the decades. And the devil knows it's easy to give up on prayer. Paul wrote already to the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. He will write to Timothy, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Verse 37, then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Oh man, I mean, you know, just what a sight. They're weeping. They love their faithful pastor so much. The thought of not seeing him again, the thought of him being manhandled and killed is just emotional to the point where only tears could could comment on what was going on in their hearts. The verse 38, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. And so there they are sobbing. The word sorrowing here is the same word. Only Luke uses it in the New Testament. It carries the idea of torment and anxiety mixed in. It's the same word that is used of Mary and Joseph when they lost track of boy Jesus. And Luke chapter 2 describes, we've been, you know, agonizing. Where have you been? You read it and you think they were just saying, we were looking all over for you. But that's not the part of the story. The part of the story is they were angry and angry and 
They, you know, because it was intense. Imagine losing your kid in Walmart for an hour. I remember as a boy, on no less than three occasions, a little guy, I'm at the counter saying, I can't find my mom and dad. I, th- I, I think three times it was on purpose. I think they were trying to get rid of me. I just, you know, and they, can't, he's, they found him again. Nowadays, I don't know, you know, they would, little boy lost, please come to the sock counter or whatever, and there I'd be. Just as a precaution, they put me in kitty handcuffs. No, they didn't. Anyway, did they see Paul again? Probably, because later he reads, Trophimus I have left sick in Miletus. What a wonderful way to close this. Here these, these believers are doing all that Jesus began both to teach and to to do and it's just a a marvelous story sets the bar for us and it tells every Christian don't lower the standard reach up for it keep doing that you've been listening to Cross Reference Radio the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel in Mechanicsville Virginia as we mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast today's teaching is available free of charge at our website Simply visit crossreferenceradio.com. That's crossreferenceradio.com. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to the Cross Reference Radio podcast. Subscribing ensures that you stay current with all the latest teachings from Pastor Rick. You can subscribe at crossreferenceradio.com or simply search for Cross Reference Radio in your favorite podcast app. Tune in next time as Pastor Rick continues teaching through the book of Acts right here on Cross Reference Radio. Thank you.